and thank you for joining us on Giving Voice to Depression. I'm Bridget. And I'm Terry. More than 350 million people worldwide suffer from depression, but you do not have to have it yourself to be affected by it. Its prevalence pretty much guarantees that someone you care about battles its darkness. This podcast tries to shine some light into that darkness. We're not experts and we're not therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and who are committed to encouraging healthy, healing conversations about mental illness. A quick note before we dive into this episode. When I did this interview four years ago, I didn't mention the fact that Mary is Bridget's and my mother. It was a big enough step for her to talk publicly about how she was feeling, and we were more than willing to just identify her by her first name, as we do most of our other guests. We are replaying this particular episode today because our mother passed away last month, and we want to honor her message. And frankly, it's nice to be able to hear her voice again. I'll be back next week with a new episode and a new co-host. Back to this interview from 2017. Hi, Terry. Hi, Bridget. As you know, with each of our podcasts, we try to present a different perspective on depression. And today, we're looking at depression in older adults. WebMD reports that late-life depression affects about 6 million Americans, and that of that 6 million, around 10% seek treatment. That probably has something to do with why the National Institute of Mental Health considers depression in people 65 and older to be a major public health problem. Exactly. And another statistic that really surprised us was that the suicide rate among people 80 to 84 is more than twice that of the general population. Did not know that. Mm -mm, I didn't either. And today we're going to hear Mary's story. And Mary is the mother of eight, the grandmother of 16, and the great-grandmother of four. Go, Mary. (laughs) She's socially active and a lifelong learner. And now Mary will give voice to depression. I'm 93 years old, and I'm going to write this down because I want to say what I want to say, and I don't trust myself to say what I want to say spontaneously. Also, my fingers are stiff, and it takes a while to turn the darn pages, and I can't sometimes read my own writing very well. Given all that, here goes. How's it done? Good. I am an average person, and I'm 93 years old, and I'm depressed. In the interest of accuracy, Mary has not been formally diagnosed as depressed, in part because her generation, as she says, really doesn't go to a doctor for something like that. In the time that I was brought up, when love yourself first was completely unheard of, and if you dwelled too much on yourself and your troubles, you would usually get a get over it. Or, or you're not the only pebble on the beach. Or go take a long that big bath, go to bed early, and then maybe you'll feel differently tomorrow. But now that all of her dearest friends have died and her body is slowly failing, Mary's tomorrows aren't much better than her yesterdays. And at her age, she never expects them to be. So I'm really, really disappointed in myself. And I'm truly surprised, very surprised, to find myself depressed at my age. What I need desperately is somebody, my peers, to understand that I'm depressed about being old and death. 
two subjects that none of us can avoid, right? So it's kind of a waste of time. It's all part of nature. You can't change it. And I know all of that, for heaven's sakes. Woody Allen, the comedian, always says, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be around when it happens. Anyway, there must be thousands of the average people out there that feel just like me. I know that I can't change anything. I just need to talk to somebody. I don't tell my children because of the instant grapevine of the Internet. I'd have them watching me every move like a hawk to see signs of depression. No thanks. I'll just be depressed by myself. And I don't want platitudes from anybody. We all have the same feeling, and I would just silently always say, shut up. And so it's tricky. Research confirms the stigma attached to mental illness and psychiatric treatment is even more powerful among the elderly than among younger people, which can keep people like Mary from admitting they're depressed, even to themselves, while they, their families, and even their doctors often misidentify depression symptoms as a normal part of the aging process. In my case, I don't think it's an illness. (laughs) I just think it's um, what happens when you're old. I know that. I'm not wallowing in this. I'm just really sad I've got it. And I didn't expect to. Because like you said, I managed everything else this long. Why would it suck you now? I can't believe it. But I am. There is a term self-stigma. You're judging yourself, saying I'm I'm ashamed. Yeah, I am. Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. But you wouldn't be ashamed of yourself if you had diabetes. You wouldn't think you were weak if you had the flu. No, but I see that as a whole different It's like apples and oranges to me. A feeling she elaborated on in her written statement. The average person like me doesn't like to admit to depression. I associate it with a weakening on my part when I should be coping better. Meanwhile, my low-grade depression messes up everything about how I feel about things now. Like, what does it really matter anyway? Or do I really have to get out there and try to enjoy things? What a way to live. Does someone and other people feel like me? I feel like I'm being an ungrateful pain in the neck to myself. So I say to myself, well, my dear, what do you expect at your age? And I say right back to myself, I didn't expect to be this old. And despite the fact she lives in senior housing, where everyone else is old too, she says the topic of mental health just isn't discussed. I mean, you just can't come up and say, hey, honey, let's bear our souls to each other. You know, I really feel sad, don't you? Let's talk about this. You don't do that, you know, at my age. Like if you said to to me right now, how are you feeling today? And it's fine. How are you feeling? And then she's fine right back again. You know, so what good is that? I I wouldn't probably open up. I know this is an enigma. But if I found the right person, I would. And gladly so. But all the right people that I know died on me. What stops you from saying at the dinner table, I was interviewed on depression today for a project somebody's doing, if that's a topic any of you are familiar with or want to talk about, you know, I'm your gal, and you might get a knock on your door, and you might find that person. Sure, I can try that tonight. That's a new approach. It gets detached so that it's not just me. Yeah. But I don't think I'll get any takers, but I can let you know. You only need one, right? Yeah. When no one talks about it, no one talks about it. Yes, that's right. That's the thing. That's Mm -hmm. the thing of the people of my age level. Yeah. 
We just don't really bear ourselves too often. Is this hard for you? To do what? To talk to me about it? No, but you're special. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) I so appreciate that. Yeah. So you are good at making other people feel good. Oh, yeah. You're special, too. (laughs) And I know, again, you know, that this isn't a great tragedy in my life. It just takes the flavor of it away. Mm -hmm. That's about it. I hate to see a little tear going down (laughs) your cheek right now. Actually, actually it was from laughing just now. (laughs) That makes me feel much better. Yeah. Mm. So what can the people in your life who aren't 93 do to support you or to be there for you or to help in any way? Be there. Just be there. Yeah, I'm not, And I don't mean talking about depression. Right. Just be around and show up. Yeah. yeah. If you can't show up when I'm alive, don't bother to show up when I'm dead is my, my little thing. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh-huh. And we don't want you to show up and sit down for an hour, an hour and a half, as if you would or could. Uh, but, you know, you got you got to show up. You really do have to show up. And I have a granddaughter that really uh, calls me almost every day, believe it or not. And we just kind of check in. Sometimes we just say we check in, and sometimes we say more than that. And that means a great deal to my life. The bottom line is we're ready to die, and we're getting ready for it, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's the bottom line. That's sad, because we never expected it, really. We knew it intellectually. We all know it intellectually. But when you're right down there with no wiggle room, it's different. The universality of just wanting someone to be around or show up, as Mary said, um, strikes me. It absolutely does because we've talked, whether it's teenagers or people in their 20s or 30s, or it just doesn't matter. And now 90s, what do you want? You just want to know somebody cares. Somebody's there for you. Yep. And like she said, that doesn't even mean I want you to be here for me for an hour and a half. You know, maybe it's just the quick phone call, but let me know that you're thinking of me. Mm-hmm. I was looking up some of the, you know, information around depression and the elderly. And they kept stressing, you know, that healthy habits really matter. And they talked about continuing to use your brain and continuing to move your body and to eat to support your mood, which means basically minimizing sugar and refined carbs. Talks a lot about sleep, getting at least seven to nine hours of sleep every night and to find some form loosely defined Mm -hmm. of support. And there's a lot of universality in that, too. But you and I also know you can do all those things and still be depressed. But but it's a good place Absolutely. to start. And it's just uh, a unique uh, voice to hear. And um, when we don't think about very often, I mean, it's, it's, it's real easy to sort of to almost put them out of your mind. And, you know, damn it, eight, eight kids, did you say 16 grandkids? You know, that's, that's a lot of yep. people who could send a card. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I appreciate the fact that she uh, did something she was uncomfortable with. Obviously, this is not something that she talks about or, as she said, they all talk about. Her, her generation doesn't talk about it. It's it a big step. And I'm, yeah. I'm very grateful that she was willing to do that so we could explore some of the statistics but also just put a human face on it and uh, and and have some laughs during the talk, which was nice, and just... Yeah, Sweet. it was. It was a nice conversation. And for someone who said she never talks about it, we talked for 45 minutes. So that was also nice. And for doing a podcast when she doesn't even know what a podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
so funny. I love ending it on that. She will laugh so hard when she hears that. (laughs) Next week, I'll be back with our new co-host, Dr. Anita Sands, with what is essentially a postscript to this episode. Mary, or as you now know her, my mother, recently passed away, as I mentioned. Knowing her loss had the potential to send me spiraling into a depression, a place I work really hard to stay out of. Over the past year, I took some very deliberate steps to prepare myself for the inevitable and to protect my mental health. Anita and I will talk about that next week. <laughs>